Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. My quote-unquote seventh level statement is my belief that, you know, everyone has the ability to be inspired and deserves the right to be inspired. And I think that driving force of, you know, believing that everyone has this kind of this secret power in them that they just need to tap into and activate the name of my company is Catalyst because I want to activate individuals into kind of identifying what makes them them and help them get to their best self. That makes me unstoppable because it makes me feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. So here we had this dilemma, this this fact, this fact. fact. I spent almost a decade researching this subject. Every aspect of your metabolic health improves. From the Hint offices in San Francisco, I'm Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. Welcome to Unstoppable, a podcast which shares successful founder and entrepreneur stories like Jessica Heron, founder of Stella and Dot, tech maven Randy Zuckerberg, and Lisa Sugar, the creator of the multi-million dollar media company Pop Sugar. We dive deep into the entrepreneurial mindset, what it takes to create a scalable business, how to make an impact, the intricacies of funding, and much, much more. Plus, we ask the million dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. Hi, everybody. It's Kara from Unstoppable, and I'm so excited to have Amanda Slavin here. Do you pronounce your last name Slavin or Slavin? <laughs> uh, it's kind of like tomato, tomato. I let everyone <laughs> 
they want. Okay. Uh, but yeah, you could. I, I say Slavin, but everyone else says Slavin. So, okay. Yes. Amanda Slavin. <laughs> so you know how you run into issues when you just call people by their first name all the time. So I, I've known Amanda <laughs> for a while. And anyway, very, very excited to have you here today, Amanda. And we're going to talk today about Catalyst Creative, which is her company. But just first of all, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be doing this. And I love everything you're up to and just super pumped. Very, very excited. So we're going to start in sort of a place that even comes before Catalyst Creative, but tell us a little bit about you, uh, where you grew up and sort of where, like what made you kind of the person you are today? Sure. Uh, I I actually, for Mother's Day, I was just with my mom and she was telling me that as as literally when I was three years old, so as soon as I could really kind of talk and be a person, I was just always driven to create experiences and connect with people. When I was three, it was more stuffed animals. Um, I actually like threw a party for my stuffed animals every single day for a year of my life where I would bring them all together and I would sing a song to them called Party for Friends. Uh, and you know, awesome. and then, when I was in, <laughs> then when I was in first grade, I facilitated snack exchange with all of my, uh, you know, my other students in the class. So I put them all at the same table and kind of had them connect with each other and, uh, and exchange Dunkaroos for Doritos and make sure everyone was included. And it's just always been, you know, this is all from my mom's account of me, because I don't necessarily remember at, at that age. But I remember in high school, we didn't have Facebook, or we didn't have social media. I grew up in a very small town in New Jersey, my whole family's um, three generations, New York, super, super New York, Jewish, Woody Allen family. Um, if you've ever seen Annie Hall, that's my family. That is so fun. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. And I grew up in New Jersey in a 6,000 person town. And I just, you know, it was before Facebook, before all these platforms. And my mom said I was like a walking yearbook. Like I knew everyone in the town. And so I just, I always had this drive to, you know, connect with people, to create community, to build experiences that were meaningful it was just like something in me. I always just was curious about people and learning about, um, you know, what inspires people. And, and that's actually what led me to, to later becoming a teacher and then in, in hospitality and events and marketing and so on and so on, which we, I'm sure we could talk about later. But that's kind of the gist of it. It's just always been who I am. That's awesome. Now let's talk about Catalyst Creative. So what inspired you to start this company? So I, I got my master's in curriculum and instruction. So I was a teacher. And during my, my uh, master's year, I wrote my thesis on an engagement framework that I developed called the seventh level. Uh, and for me, it was around, you know, changing the way that we learned and the way that we actually measure success within the classroom rather than just kind of the traditional way of thinking about, you know, test results. I wanted to know what engagement actually looked like and, and what it felt like when a student was really passionate about what they were learning. And then I ended up um, going into hospitality and nightlife events and marketing shortly after graduating during the recession. And I ended up in this industry that was very different in a lot of ways from teaching, obviously. But the similarity was that, again, it was building community, being around people, um, and creating those parties since I was three years old. Uh, but the the problem was that I kind of felt like there was something missing. So, you know, I went from teaching and inspiring and educating to events and marketing and branding. I worked for a restaurant group. Now there's about 13 properties all over the country. Uh, and so I ended up meeting my business partner, who's uh, Tony Shea. Um, the CEO of Zappos at a conference and that I was helping to produce on the side while I had my full-time job. 
And my intention was to really design a company that could combine my understanding of education, of engagement, of inspiring individuals with my understanding of marketing, branding, and experiential. Uh, and Tony, you know, is a thought leader in corporate culture and customer service and, and kind of customer experience. And so uh, we started the company with this intention to, you know, think about, I say, think about marketing like cheesy covered broccoli. Like, you know, you don't necessarily know it's it's actually healthy. You don't, you know, it's, it tastes really good. Um, but there's this messaging that inspires and educates the way people think about themselves. And so- How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip, Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including 
the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. So that was the intention with Catalyst. And it, and it started in um, downtown Vegas during his, he decided to build a city with $350 million, probably another story. But uh, that was uh, where the company started was in downtown Las Vegas. And now it's been seven years. That's amazing. That's so great. So you've spoken about engagement and how it impacts millennials and Gen Z. Can you talk just a little bit more about that? Like, where do you think that goes in the future? Sure. Yeah. So when I was a teacher, I taught millennials and, and, you know, I taught Gen Z and I started to find that, you know, my, my one story that I always talk about with my middle schoolers was that they were telling me they were going to go check out like a local band at, uh, at the mall, like this new kid that everyone loved. Um, and I was like, Oh, who is it? And they were like, Oh, his name's Justin Bieber. Um, and this was like before anyone had heard. That's of so crazy. It's yeah. crazy. And, you know, I was trying to get to know them. And so I would read the same books as them. And I was in my twenties and, you know, they were, they were in their teens and, you know, I would read these books. My, all my friends would make fun of me. Like, why are you reading, you know, middle school books? And I'm like, I'm obsessed. And, and it was before it became a big thing, but it was twilight. And so, you know, I, I really recognize that these, this next generation of, you know, kind of these younger millennials and these, this generation Z, um, um, demographic really had their, you know, their hand on the pulse of what was trendy, what was relevant, that they were creating what was trendy, what was relevant, re- relevant. So it wasn't necessarily about constantly speaking to them. It was about listening. Um, and you know, these, these generations, they're, they're differing a lot of ways, but they've had tools to share their opinions, their perspectives since they were born, especially Gen Z. So for engagement, it's just, you know, with the seventh level, the seventh level is called literate thinking. It's when your personal values and beliefs align with the message. These, these kids don't want to have, you know, marketing targeting them all over. They want it to feel authentic. They want it to feel aligned to what they believe in. And so, you know, when I started Catalyst Creative, my intention was I want to work with brands that, you know, have these messages that really resonate with, and this is why I've always respected what you've done, but that really resonate in a different way versus just buy my product. They're, you're connecting with 
personal values and beliefs. And also you're giving an opportunity for these younger generations to be a part of your brand, be a part of your identity, a part of your story versus trying to shove a product down their throats. Absolutely. I totally agree. So I read that your company relies on responsibilities instead of like titles. Do you think that that is a big difference in millennials and Gen Z? I mean, how, how they respond to things? Or do you think that they actually need to have more definitive kind of instruction around what it what it is exactly they're responsible for doing? Yeah, I think I think that, you know, more and more of these younger generations are are prioritizing. I know, you know, again, millennials are like 80 million people. So this, these are, you know, these are psychographics yeah. more than even yeah, yeah. demographics. Totally. But, you know, I think that these younger generations, because they've had freedom of information and being able to learn and grow and kind of identify what they want to be and who they are at very young ages, because they have access to so much, they also kind of know what they want in a different way. And a lot of them are prioritizing like remote workplaces and they're prioritizing workplaces that have a sense of purpose that allow for them to kind of, again, you know, grow as these individuals within an organization. And a lot of the times people say millennials are very entitled and, you know, they, they need, they, you know, they need so much and they're constantly the, the people within the organization that are speaking up. And, um, but, you know, I think that an organization that's more focused on self-organization, that's what it's called based on roles and accountabilities versus a hierarchy actually is very conducive to millennials being successful in a workplace because it allows for them to feel heard and to feel like an active participant in the organization. But I would say that you definitely still need to have structure as well. So it's not just like chaos. It's called holacracy, the way that our infrastructure is, is self-organization. And there's a lot of structure in place in order for these individuals within the company to feel like there's freedom and flexibility. So it actually is more work than a hierarchy um, because everyone needs to know the roles that they're filling and the accountabilities that they're fulfilling. But it gives each person a, you know, a sense of responsibility so that they feel like they're a part of the organization. How would you define that philosophy as a leader? Overall, I mean, how do you actually structure that in a way that you can actually tell people this is what it is? This is the type of leadership. Yeah. So I, I, I talk a little bit about like the way that bees organize or ants organize, you know, that they self-organize around, you know, they, they essentially all have the role that they fill and they work, you know, together side by side to be able to accomplish a, a much a bigger goal, but they're all doing their own work. And so it's actually more similar to nature than it is, you know, in terms of a hierarchy, the way that, the, that this infrastructure works, and it's called self-organization. Um, and I have plenty of books, if you're interested, I can send links, you know, out to your audience, but um, it's called self-organization. And, and one aspect of self-organization is this infrastructure called holacracy. Um, and what it is, again, is the way that I always say is in startups or really in any company, but a lot of the times in startups, you wear so many hats. So, you know, you get hired for one job, but you're, you know, you're wearing all these other hats and then you're not getting credit for the job you were hired for, but you're not getting credit for all of the other jobs that you're also filling. You know, you're doing all this extra work and no one really knows what you're doing. And so this infrastructure allows for you, you know, there's a there's a platform that's all around transparency. So you're seeing all of the roles, you know, I'm the CEO of the company, but I fill probably nine roles. Um, and right. you know, each, you know, and, and I actually, when there's a platform, it's called Glassfrog. It's this, you know, free platform. And you actually see all of the roles I fill. So not only does it allow for each person to acknowledge the other individuals on the work they're doing, it also gives the CEO the opportunity to create boundaries and say, mm, that's not my role. Like that, you shouldn't be coming to me for that. 
Um, and that's why it was set up so, so that it didn't constantly fall on executives to make all of the decisions. Because, you know, so often there's people within the organization that have things to offer, but they don't have a chance to be able to actually, you know, to offer those opinions. So this container, if you will, gives people the opportunities to acknowledge each other for their responsibilities, understand their accountabilities and responsibilities, and still feel like they have a say in where the company is going. That'd be great to get those links to some of these Mm -hmm. platforms, because I think that that is definitely something, especially when you're building a startup. You know, I always feel like, you know, we ask our team, for example, to take on responsibilities sort of outside of, you know, maybe what they were hired to do to actually figure mm-hmm. out if it's a job, right? Yeah. And I think it always is, you know, when I talk to other, you know, not just entrepreneurs, but other people who are just starting out in their career, you know, they they sort of talk to me about, you know, well, I was doing this job, but I'm also doing five other things. And I just <laughs> want to make sure that, you know, people recognize that and how do I do that? So, Um, that's, that's super interesting. So, so going back to when you decided to start this, I mean, what do you think were the greatest challenges in starting Catalyst? I think, you know, I had such a weird story because I met Tony at a conference and then we, you know, I ended up going to Vegas. He invited a bunch of people and he forgot he invited me. It was really awkward. Um, people, he was like, who are you? Um, and, and then I read his book in like 24 hours, because I didn't really know much about him. And I realized that, you know, we ended up having lunch and, and he was like, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, well, I want to create a company, you know, that again, c- combines my understanding of education, engagement, branding, marketing, and like change the way that people are thinking about themselves in the world through, you know, experiential campaigns or branding, et cetera. So, you know, he kind of gave me this platform um, and, and asked me again, like, what do you want to do? And, and I and I was living in New York and he said, well, why don't you start doing this in Las Vegas? Um, and so, you know, in terms of a challenge, you know, again, because just some some backstory, when Amazon acquired Zappos, Tony decided to put three hundred and fifty million dollars from that acquisition into buying 18 city blocks of downtown Vegas and, and building it up. Um, and downtown Vegas is the 50th worst education system in the country. And so all these people that were really living there and were moving there for this initiative, they, he really wanted them to be inspired and educated. And he wanted them to have the same type of, you know, collisions and opportunities that you would in San Francisco, LA or New York. And so Catalyst really came about to design these experiences starting once a month and twice a month. We would bring thought leaders from all over the world and, and they would come to downtown Vegas and they would give talks and workshops free to the public. And so, you know, a lot of challenges came about, first of all, with the fact that, again, I'm in, I'm my whole family is from New York. I'm from the East Coast. And for the first time in my life, I was like moving across the country to work in a city that I didn't really know much about. And, and Vegas is very hot and very dry. So that was a little bit of a jarring situation for me in terms of adapting to that environment. But, you know, I also think besides that, like I really didn't really know what I was doing. Like I I got a small investment and and then I'm really good at marketing and branding at events. And I always say it's like someone that's really good at making pies might not be really good at having a pie shop because then you have to do all of the logistics and infrastructure in place to then be able to do what you're good at. And in the beginning, as an entrepreneur, you just, you know, speaking of holacracy and self-organization and roles, you just do it all. So, you know, in the beginning, it was really challenging for me to be able to kind of put these hats on that I was not comfortable with, like trying to focus on the financial aspects of the company and, you know, the, the operational aspects of the company. And once, you know, employees are hired, giving them the proper insurance and, 
you know, <laughs> all of these things that you're really not taught in school, uh, you know, in terms of what it's going to look like. And also I had to deal with situations in the first year of, um, I, I didn't hire the right people because I didn't really necessarily know how to hire. I just, I was 26 years old when I started my company. So, you know, I was a kid. So I hired people based on, you know, what I thought would be a good fit. And then culturally they were not, and I had to fire certain people. So it was, it was a lot of, I think, learning as I was doing, and that was a challenge. Um, and then not to mention that, you know, because my partner was in Vegas going into a new city and, and having a whole new identity as well, you know, around this organization, having to kind of step into this whole new part of myself was, was definitely a challenge. Yeah, totally. I mean, nobody can sort of prepare you for all of the challenges of, of really just being an entrepreneur, I think, in any industry. I mean, all kinds of things come up along the way. So but it's amazing. I mean, that that you were able to do this and sort of get to this point, too. And, and also just like, I mean, I look at your your company as as, you know, really having a purpose too for mm-hmm. other companies to be able to grow in the right way, which is you know, something that I don't know, I, I feel like the, those are really the entrepreneurial ventures that ultimately stick when you look at ones that actually help solve problems that people are trying to really um, define. So k- kudos to you on that. So yes, it's amazing. So what advice would you give an aspiring entrepreneur wanting to start their own company? And I mean, what do you think is like the, the biggest thing that you learned along the way and in, in starting just like, would you say, just go start it, go write a business plan? I mean, what no. are sort of like the biggest things? Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, I, I actually gave a TEDx talk about this and I, I talk about the three Ps because I think what happens is like, you know, everyone now speaking of these younger generations, like entrepreneurship is now like the new celebrity, you know, where it's like, I want to be an entrepreneur. And I always like to say like, it's not it's not easy. Like there's certain things that come along with being an entrepreneur that are great and you have freedom and flexibility because essentially you're making your own you know, schedule, but there's also a lot of stress on you to, you know, first of all, have something like after a year when we were succeeding, we were like, Oh, okay. We've beat some odds. And it was like two years. We're like, we beat more odds and five years. We're like, we beat more odds, but like, it's a really high and, and you know, a high and low uh, type of life. You know, there's really, really high highs and really, really low lows. And, and you have to be able to be comfortable and confident with that. And also, again, have a product that the market's going to continue to purchase. So, you know, I think that with the three P's that I talked about, it was like identifying a passion. Um, and, you know, that w- that's something that is important, but then it's also associating this that passion with solving a world problem. So what are you actually doing to make the world better as opposed to, again, just, you know, having it be something that you really love? How is it going to sell? Um, and then that third P is, is having a profit. So, you know, I think so often when it comes to entrepreneurship, people think that they can like have a Squarespace site and, and start to be able to sell something and then they're going to, you know, be a, have a valuation of $20 billion because of all the media. Uh, but I think it's really important to, to have little bets and to test out things, even while you're at a full-time job. So, you know, while I was at my hospitality job, I was doing things on the side. I, I organized a TEDx and I helped produce, you know, summit series where I met Tony and, you know, I was on a nonprofit, you know, multiple nonprofit boards. And I was really trying to see, you know, what I was good at, out, good at outside of my job and to see, you know, what people would actually purchase from me. Uh, so I took these like little risks while I had a little bit of a safety net. So I would say for entrepreneurs to really assess, you know, what do they love? What can they sell that can also solve a problem and to not necessarily jump away from their full-time job, but try out little things here and there that will help them 
build a sustainable business model. And then they can do the business plan. But I think that, you know, there's so many opportunities for entrepreneurs these days in terms of, you know, you can start a business overnight that, you know, investors really want to see sustainability and they want to see, you know, long-term, a long-term growth plan. So I think that that would be my advice to anyone that wants to be an entrepreneur. I feel like you have been, you know, your best advocate as well for sort of getting the word out about this program too. I mean, you're very active on social and just what would you say um, to that just in terms of how people should be thinking about getting the word out about their company as well? Yeah, I think when it comes to marketing, again, I go back to that the seventh level and the seventh level is what we're all striving for. It's it's the personal value and belief that's guiding our companies. And, you know, we 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 look at these major organizations and we look at what they stand for. And, you know, it's a part of who we are when we love a product. It's a part of, you know, it becomes a part of us, especially now because we all have social platforms to share who we are all the time when we love products. It, it really does become a part of our social identity. And so I would say when it comes to brands, like, you know, first of all, I always think that brands need to first identify what is their seventh level? What is their personal value and belief that is driving their organization? And, you know, what do they stand for? And then not necessarily changing that to connect with different audiences. I think a lot of big brands are, you know, scared because they're starting to see a lot of disruption from, you know, new up and coming brands that are connecting with younger audiences. And, and I would say that it's, it's not about changing who you are to fit, you know, your audience. It's about standing, you know, standing in what you believe and then communicating that to different audiences in different ways. So, you know, social media is one amplifier of a, of your message. But if you are constantly letting the tools use you, instead of you using the tools to communicate what you believe in and and your differentiator, it's not really necessarily a metric of success. So I would just say again, kind of know what you believe in and then leverage the tools around you to be able to communicate that belief to the people that you feel and that you've done research on is your customer. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's huge. So, and would you say that it, it's it's really been word of mouth for you in terms of people finding out about your program? I mean, do you think it, that are people reading about it? Do they hear you speaking on it? I mean, where is where is sort of the biggest kind of where are people learning about this? Yeah, I mean, you know, for those first two and a half years when we were doing these events every month, first there were Catalyst Weeks and then they were Creative Weeks, um, and so because there were so many people that wanted to attend we were doing our own experiences, you know, when we were producing them and doing all of the curation of the speakers and programming and design and social media and everything. So from that, more and more brands were attending and participating. And they were saying, like, how do you do this for me? Like, this feels special. This feels different. Like, you know, how can you apply this to we, we worked with Coca-Cola and W Hotels on a sustainability initiative and, and launch a sustainability initiative with an experience? Or, you know, how can you do an, an experience where for NPR, like, help launch a millennial arm of NPR to connect with younger audiences, but in an authentic, intentional way. And so it first started with that. Um, and then it really, yeah, it's been, it's been really word of mouth. I, I write a lot. So when I was actually going from my hospitality job to starting Catalyst, I really wanted people to know my own story and I wanted me to be able to tell it versus other people telling it for me. Um, because I didn't think people, it would make sense to people if they were like, so you were a teacher and then you were in nightlife and now you're starting this like impact company. I don't get it. So I wrote for Huffington Post every single week for, uh, for about two years. And I have about a hundred articles, um, that I, that I, that I've written. Uh, and I really wanted to be able to, to communicate that story. But from there, it's been, 
you know, it's been incredible. Just yeah, people, word of mouth. I'm obsessed with LinkedIn. I really am. It's my only social platform I love. So LinkedIn. Um, Me too. I love it. Oh, I love it. Just like yeah. creating value-driven content and, and yeah, connecting with, with people that are thinking about, you know, I call it ROI instead of just return on investment. It's ripple of impact. So the way that brands are starting to think is, you know, if they want a unique firm, you know, a creative marketing firm that's thinking about engagement differently, that's thinking about branding differently, that's thinking about longevity differently, then that's kind of who comes to us. So it becomes a niche for us because we have this understanding and this methodology of engagement in addition to, you know, creative agency services. I think that's awesome. So what's next for for you, for Catalyst Creative? What's next? (laughs) Uh, well, uh, I just got married last year, which was hey, congrats. Thank you. And I, I moved back to New York, which was also great. And, uh, you know, we, we've been doing a lot of, you know, international work as well as a lot of work in New York. So I, I just was traveling so much here that it felt really good to, to kind of come back here and, and ground myself in New York. But I think what's next, you know, for the seventh level, we are, we have a full course that we did with HubSpot. That's a three hour course for free. And we have all these materials that we've put out, but we actually are coming out with a book in September about the seventh level. Um, and we are also, you know, doing a series of talks and workshops and, and there's just quite a lot of resources out there for the seventh level, which, you know, for us, we were always applying it in our own way, doing our own events, marketing and branding, using the seventh level as our secret sauce. And now we're letting everyone know about it and we're educating everyone on about it so that they can have engaging workplaces so that they can have engaging opportunities with their customers. So that's really where we're going is we're, we're trying to get that the seventh level far and wide as far and wide as humanly possible. So that's our, that's our next step. That's awesome. Would you ever have imagined that this would, I mean, I, I, I feel like these companies sort of organically grow into sort of the direction that they're supposed to be going in too, right? Like when you first started mm-hmm. this, you would have never probably thought you'd be doing what you're doing today, right? Like it's like, yes. I mean, it's, it's, I, I love how it's just sort of flowed along in a very organic, natural way. So that's awesome. Yeah. Super, Thank super so great. Much. Yeah. yeah. I never thought I'd live in Vegas either. That's for sure. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's so funny. That's hilarious. So, so what makes you unstoppable? I always ask this question. I have a few ideas, but I'd be curious to hear from you. Like when you hear that word, what makes you unstoppable? Well, you know, my quote unquote seventh level statement is my belief that, you know, everyone has the ability to be inspired and deserves the right to be inspired. And I think that driving force of, you know, believing that everyone has this kind of this secret power in them that they just need to tap into and activate the name of my company's catalyst, because I want to activate individuals into kind of identifying what makes them them um, and help them get to their best self. It's like this, it's this driving force and this belief in people, I guess, in the good, the good of people, I would say that makes me unstoppable, because it makes me feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And it makes me feel like I can just keep going even when I'm really tired, because it's it's a, it's really, it fuels me, it fills me up. I love it. I love it. So how can we support you? And where can our listeners find you online and Catalyst Creative? And if people want to bring it into their organization, What's the best way to get in touch with you? You could go to my website, Amanda Slavin, S-L-A-V-I-N.com. 
And you could find me on LinkedIn. And there's all of the information about Seventh Level and Catalyst on that website. And yeah, and, and message, you know, Instagram, Twitter, you could find me anywhere. But mainly LinkedIn is my, as I said, my, my favorite platform of choice. So please connect with me there. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. And it was great to catch up with you and hear more about what you're doing. And we're really excited for the future. Thank you so much. I'm excited as well. Absolutely. Thanks. If you like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. Unstoppable. Unstoppable.